This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're talking about gardening. Uh, gardening. So if you've got any kind of thing that related to your yard or potted plants or bugs or blights or shrubs or trees or lawns or any of that kind of stuff, if it's related to growing stuff, we're going to call it gardening. Gardening comes from an old word that means a guarded area. Guarded area. Uh, it also became Horticulture came from the same word, meant courtyard, an enclosed special place. So if you don't feel like you're in a special place in your yard or your garden, let's see what we can do about that. What's up, Java? Good morning, sir. Uh, good morning, Felder. And also, didn't uh, garden uh, kind of lend itself to kindergarten? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with kids, guarded area. You know, yeah. the gordos is a word. Gordos became guarded and also became horticulture. Courtyard and horticulture, horticulture and gardening, upscale, downscale. And then we take it further, you know, garden became yard. Yeah. You know, yard is uh, homegrown horticulture. And that's what we're going to talk about. So how you doing, though? Oh, I'm doing fine, man. It's a, a great Friday afternoon. I am finally... Uh, except in these mild temperatures, I think I think I think we're here. I'm, I'm waiting for the you know the the rare uh, 100 degree September day, October day. It's coming. Yeah, but well, um, you, you know, know. My, my prediction is always State Fair in Mississippi. State Fair usually starts out hot and ends up cold. Yeah, I mean for for some reason, and we don't know if that's going to happen or not, but. Anyway, I got a lot of stuff to talk about today, but uh, this is all about about folks who want to chat about stuff. Do I, we go to Clarksdale first? Yeah, we got some early callers. Let's okay. do it. Okay, Tan. Good morning. How are you? Hello? I'm doing great. Good. What's up? Uh, I had a question for you. You know, we had the weather you mentioned, the very hot weather uh, over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. and then in the winter time we had a uh, very cold weather. Yep. Both both the cold and the hot killed plants at our house for the first time for a while, Yeah, and I wondered uh, if you have any advice on protecting those. Well, a couple of things. First of all, we had, it wasn't just a cold winter. It was really cold, but it was really early before plants had a chance to, you know, plants kind of slow down, they go dormant, and it's a slow process, and we had that really deep, deep hard freeze, middle of the winter freeze, early. So that's what caught a lot of plants. Then it warmed up in the wintertime, and plants thought it must be springtime because we've had our cold, and they sprouted out earlier than normal and a late freeze, and then it turned hot and dry. And I've actually lost magnolia trees and nandinas. Whatever killed the dinosaurs couldn't kill magnolias, but 2023 did. Uh, anyway, to answer your question, there's not much we could have done to protect against that, that, that cold because plants, you can't cover them up. And that was unusually early, unusual hard. Not much we can do about the heat except water plants. And a lot of people are watering every day. I think that's a mistake. People say, well, I got to. I'm thinking, no, you don't. Plants need a really good, slow, deep soaking 
I'm talking about trees and shrubs. Really good slow soaking every two or three or four weeks. Uh, potted plants, a couple of times a week. If you really water it good and deep, then that's better than watering frequently. So other than that, there's not much we can do. Down the road, we, we can think about if you're going to replace things, replace them with something that we know can take extreme cold and extreme heat and drought. And if things are changing, and uh, luckily I work a lot in Texas and Oklahoma with lectures, and they got nice gardens in Texas and Oklahoma, we can have them too. We're just not going to have that Florida garden anymore. But you know, other than a good deep soaking, there's not much we can do to help plant. You can prune. Can I ask you a question? Sure, uh, sure. Does uh, does covering, uh, say, a pindar palm? help at all? Or? Not, not up in the Delta. You know, these, these plants, you know, they're just not, they're not, you know, they're, they're, they'll tolerate cold, but they won't take sudden, hard, deep freezes, you know. And if you're going to cover them, you need to, to really, it's the tip. You know, palms only have two growing points. They're roots at the bottom, little furry-looking things, and the very tip where the, the last few leaves come out, the trunk is dead. You can't prune a palm back like you can a regular plant. So, you know, if you could get some plastic or something and wrap it a- around the top part, that'll help down to about 20 degrees for a while. Okay. But, you know, other okay. than that, not much we can do. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be real bottom line as if, we're look- as if I was looking at these plants in my yard, what would I do? Okay. No, All right, appreciate Dan. It. Appreciate it. Job. It was it was tough, man. I I lost plants that you know I've always prided them. You've heard me say I don't do anything to them. I don't cover them up. I don't water my plant. Well, I lost some stuff. Okay. And also too, I have learned over the years working with you and being on this show, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody. You know, we get calls all the time about what can I do and why did this happen. But sometimes the plant just can't. You know, take the environment. Well, the the one plant, and I've got 10 different varieties of this, 10 different varieties of this one plant in my garden. It doesn't care how cold it gets, how hot it gets, how dry it doesn't matter. They always look good, and it's my glass bottle trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I will throw out one other thing before we go to the next call. Um, a little little gem magnolia, a little dwarf magnolia, like we have in front of our, our studio here mm-hmm. at MPB. They look terrible. It mine died. It's fifteen years old. It just it died. It's completely brown, and brown's a color too. I don't mind brown out. <laughs> brown and green are are important colors, but I just needed a break. So I went to to uh, one of the box stores, got me a big old extra large can of shiny black spray paint, no. and I fixed that thing up, man. <laughs> it is it it looks good, and I was gonna spray paint it green, but now I got a lot of green. I think an orange, you know, and the neighbors. Well, come it come, on. It's almost October. We're getting ready for, I, I know, uh, for Halloween. I know. I, I could, <laughs> could have turned a big old pump, but I sprayed every leaf on it shiny black, and it looks good. <laughs> you know, it's dead anyway. It doesn't care. There so uh, anyway, I've got a shiny, glossy black little lump out in my yard right on the street. I think it looks great. Some people say, why you do that? I'm thinking, shut up, <laughs> you know, because it was dead. I'm not going to get around to cutting it. Anyway, let's go up to uh, to Mabin. Talk with Ruth. Ruth, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. I'm really enjoying this little bit of cooler weather. Yeah, it feels good. Uh, my question is about a muscadine that's probably at least 50 years old. Mm-hmm. We bought the place, and two years ago, it had grown up into the trees and everything. Oh, I boy. cut it back. I put it on. Well, I put the vines on the wire. It made five 
five wires about 20 feet long each and just did it beautiful grew and of course didn't make much first year and I wasn't expecting much last fall I pruned them back just like you said you know mm. to just left a certain number of little things four or five inches long right um, and this year, uh, in the spring, and, and I, I expect the weather caused it to not produce a lot of muscadines. Yeah. It just made a handful. But the, they, it has sprouted back out. I mean, they are five and six foot long yeah. things coming out. Should I have cut those off back in the spring? I let them go. Oh, no, 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 no. These things, you know, the, the, the new growth this year is sending energy back to the roots. And that's what keeps the plant alive. So what you do is in the wintertime, Whatever grew this year, you know, four or five feet long, three feet long, eight feet long, whatever grew this year, this coming winter, prune those back to stubs that are four or five inches long. You know, two, they need at least two or three leaf joints. So everything that grew this year, cut it back to stubs in the wintertime. And then just, just do that every year. That's the only, you know, you can prune them in the, uh, in the, the late summer if you're going to harvest. You can cut them a little bit. But in general, those, those leaves are important. So just just pr- oh okay just in okay, the, so the wintertime. That overgrown look is natural and normal then. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean muscadines are. I mean they're they're crazy vines. You know they're really vigorous. This okay. is one of the reasons if you don't prune them every year, within two or three years they get out of control. So every winter just make a note to cut whatever grew the year before back to some stubs, at least two or three leaf joints. Well, I, I've been doing that, and I enjoy it. It's a very satisfying job, and I thank you so much for letting me know. What well, let me, let me ask you, you're, you're in Maven. How far are you from Noxapater? You know where Noxapater is? Um, yes, I believe it's about 60 miles southwest of me. Oh, I, th- I thought you I, were. Okay, this in Winston. This is near Louisville. Uh, I, I'm, well, now Louisville is closer. I think you have to go through Louisville. I'm about 30 miles north. Uh, northwest, I guess, of Starkville in yeah. this year. Oh, I've, I've been through Maven a whole bunch. I just, you know, I, I just, when I look at maps, I see all these little towns I can't remember. Anyway, I'm, I'm giving a talk next week in Noxipater, and I just thought maybe, maybe it was oh. a little bit closer than that. So, oh, I wish it was. <laughs> anyway, good luck. And, and by the way, usually it's been my experience when you prune muscadines, it's always in cold weather, and they always whip you across the face. It's going to sting, so just be careful. <laughs> Thank you so right. much. Appreciate it. Now, for, the, for those of you who don't know, muscadine is a native grape. We have all different species of grape, the bunch grapes, the, the, the uh, uh, native grapes. So muscadine is a type of grape, and there's two out, out in the woods. They're either male or female. So if you want muscadines to eat, uh, to me it's better to go ahead and go to a garden center and get what they call a self-fertile variety. There's some that pollinate themselves, so one vine will produce plenty of grapes. Uh, and if you have a, one of the female varieties that have got bigger, uh, sweeter, juicier berries, then a self-pollinating one will do itself and the nearbys. So uh, muscadines, and there's bronze ones and there's dark purple ones. Some people call all the bronze ones scupperdongs, uh, which is an old-fashioned one. So bronze or, or dark-colored, self-fertile, terrific landscape plants, beautiful fall color, but you got to prune them. Which ones make the uh, muscadine wine? The purple ones. Either of them. Either of them. You okay. Know? And the juice. And this is an oddball thing. Uh, n- not quite an answer to question nobody <laughs> asked, but now that you ask, <laughs> the, uh, mus- uh, grape juice is clear. 
If you want a, a rosé or a red wine, you you ferment it with the the skins in there because the the color from the the purple skin is what gives it the color to the to the to the juice. Wow, you really got, that, you know I should have saved that one. You right? should have. That was a segment <laughs> right there. I did not know that. Yeah, but anyway, they're they're cool wines, but uh, you you really need to stay on top of them. Okay, let's go to uh, Clinton now. Danny, good morning, and thanks for calling. What's up? Yes, sir. Uh, good morning. Uh, my garden's about to stop, but my okra's growing good. <laughs> it's better. It's too tall to pick, too, isn't it? No, what I found a long time ago, you just cut it off. There you go. B- and, bush it out. And it'll, and it'll come back from the bottom. Yeah. But in, anyway, anyway uh, I've tried pickling and different things. I, I love it fried, but the boil, it's just got that slimy taste. I, I, what can I'm, I do? I'm I'm with you. I can't eat boiled okra. You fry it, put a lot of ketchup on it. I'll eat it, but I'm just it's just right. too slick for me. Is is there anything that I can do to, to do away with the slime? No, no, that's part of it. That's the part of what they call the the inscape of okra. Okra, if it ain't slimy, it ain't okra. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, also my my bottleneck cord is growing real good. I'm trying to figure out a recipe to make make gourd soup. Well, you know, gourds, you know, gourds are are sort of like uh, cucumbers and squash when they're small. You know, they're they're you know, you just do them like you would squash. Well, I'll be doggone. Yeah, you know about the luffa? Yeah, yeah, uh, the uh, uh, back scratch the uh, the uh, stuff you use sponges to uh, to scratch your back with. Well, a fella gave me some uh, seed one time. He said it was running okra. You know, it, it, it's really interesting because that is one of the folk names. Run, I knew, I, I'd heard of run okra all my life, and all it is is a is a vine that makes a long, skinny. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a gourd, and when they're small, you eat it like okra. So there you go. Instead of okra, That's grow fine. you some loofah gourds and eat those. That won't be slimy. It won't be slimy. Yeah. But anyway, when. <laughs> You let them go, they'll go to that that, that back scratcher. But yeah. When they're young, it's, it's just like tastes just like okra. It's not slimy. You're right there. You know, it, not right. You were you were leading me towards that. You were teaching me that. I couldn't ask you a question, and you led me to it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, okay. you you got to watch that loofah gourd because it will go to the top of your tree. Well, that's where my my gourds are growing. Yeah, like you told me, it's running for the river. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, you know, I, I never really thought about it. what is a, an okra that's not slimy. Well, it's a loofah gourd. Right. I'm gonna have to do me some next year. Well, just okay. give it pl- give it plenty of room to run, Danny. Appreciate your call. Thank you, guy. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. Uh, Job. You know what a loofah is? Have you seen these things? Is that where you? Uh, it's like this bat scratch. They're they're sponges. They're yeah, that you use in the in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, that's the inside of a of a gourd, loofah gourd. If you leave them on the vine, you know, after they mature, that skin just sort of crinkles off, or you can wash it off, and you got that. The skeleton is what we call a loofah uh, sponge. Oh wow! But when it's little, you can eat. It. It's called running okra. I will be in Noxapater this coming Thursday night. Noxapater is uh, between Louisville. 
in Philadelphia. It's a cool little town. Uh, and Faith Estes, uh, a dear friend who's a wonderful gardener up in Winston County, she's invited me to come down and give a presentation. And they got a lot of room. We got uh, Jim McAdory, the county extension agent, the well known, really popular guy, will be there. I'll give some more details in a bit about some things that are coming up. But the, the, the Noxipater. Baptist Church, we're going to have a terrific time. <laughs> this, that, this, that's your handiwork, Felder. <laughs> Frank, Frank Zappa. Oh, yeah, Frank call, Zappa. Call any vegetable. You know, as an interesting avant-garde musician, did some pretty bizarre stuff. Really, Well, really bizarre. But he has some great quotes. Let me share three Frank Zappa quotes. One was in my last book called Maverick Gardener, uh, and that was, Without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. I, I've always loved that quote. Here's a couple of other. He said, there's only two things to remember. Don't stop and keep going. And that applies to gardening. And then the very last thing, this is a great quote from Frank Zappa, and it's about gardening. And what makes my garden work is the plants can come and go and they die and the flowers and blah, 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 blah. But it still looks like a garden. He said, the most important thing in art is the frame for painting, literally, for other arts, figuratively, because without this humble appliance, you can't know where the art stops and the real world begins. Amen, amen. So, you know, this is the first thing I always tell people. You want to do a garden? Put your hard feature out there. Sort of like putting your foot on the floor when the world is spinning. It gives you a place to, to, to gather your thought and then plant stuff around that. And if they don't make it, you still got that first thing. There you go. Okay, uh, and I want to thank Will Pickering, our intern, for, for uh, being our phone greeter today. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And uh, I'm not <laughs> sure which one to go. Uh, the, the one with the little blinky light, which one do I go to first? Well, let's go to Barbara in Boonville. Barbara in Boonville. Good morning, Barbara. Thank you for calling. Good morning. Howdy. Uh, I got a tip on that okra. Uh, I, uh, my niece me to cook it in the microwave. Uh, and put garlic salt on it and butter and, get, and just barely cover it in water and uh, turn it on about seven minutes and uh, check it and, it and see if it's tender enough to eat and it won't be slimy. Okay, so you just take it like like right off the right off the plant, a little, uh-huh. little, little garlic salt, put in a little bit of water and put it in a microwave for seven, eight minutes and... Um... and put butter or uh-huh. you can use oil either one, but... She told me to use butter, but I use oil a lot of times. Yes, but it's just because you can't get Crisco anymore. I got you. Yeah, it's <laughs> well, kind of all. Well, that's, that's an interesting tip. I actually grow uh, okra. Matter of fact, one of the few pl- annuals, you know, I, I, I lost some stuff in this, this heat and dry, but the, the, the stuff that you put out every year, the annuals, my okra made it fine because it like, it's from Africa. It likes hot, dry. I grow a variety called burgundy okra. And when you cook it, it turns green. I'm going to give it a try in the, in the microwave, see if it stays pretty in burgundy. Yeah, well, it's it's real good. Like I said, I mean, I don't like slimy okra either, but that way it, it's it's a lot better. Okay, well, I appreciate a lot better. Mo butter, a lot better. I, yeah, pre- uh-huh. I pre- appreciate that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. All righty. I'm, 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 I am out of this conversation because I am a, admitted 
not not a okra fan. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm not, you know. Of course, you know. I say if you cut it up in pieces and fry it real hard, put ketchup on it. But you know, state fairs coming up in about three weeks. Yeah. And I'm surprised. There's much different stuff that they sold over the year. I'm surprised nobody in the South sold fried ketchup. Wait a minute. I mean, come on. Come on. We, we, we fry everything. We put ketchup on it. Why don't you sell a little nuggets of fried ketchup? Come on. I wasn't ready for that one, Felder. We might need to set up a booth. Felder's, Javin Felder's fried ketchup. Step right up. <laughs> anyway, let's go down to all the way to the Gulf Coast to Biloxi. Julie, thank you for holding. How are you today? I'm fine. Good. What's up? Well, I have this nasty infection on my finger after working in the yard uh, several weeks ago, and it's been diagnosed as cutaceous storticosis, and which is, from my research, says it's a fungus that lives in decaying plant matter. Yeah. Well, decaying plant matter is my favorite go-to when I'm mulching my bed. Yeah, and com- the soil and it's called compost, right? Yeah. yeah, and so my question is... Um, Aside from uh, wearing gloves, which I wasn't doing that day, and wearing long sleeves, um, my question is, is there anything else that that you can suggest to me that I do to minimize this from happening again? No. I mean, is there, maybe stay away from certain... Um, no, this this is this is a real good. It's an important concern, you know. It it and it's it not like everybody gets it, but this is a real common in the environment. I'll give you another example. I, all my life, I swam in lakes and rivers. All my life, but there's brain-eating amoeba out there, and every now and then somebody gets up their nose and it eats their brain out. But everybody else doesn't get it. So it's one of those kind of things where it's common in nature, but it's uncommon. Uh, to actually develop a problem, so it's 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 risky. So, uh, a matter of fact, uh, I cut my finger. I was in England last week. I was potting some stuff up, and I sliced my finger. And because it was a foreign type of back, you know, foreign kind of dirt, I'm not, you know, sometimes I may not be the stuff my body's used to. So I went in, and I mean, I cleaned it out. It wasn't a bad cut, but I cleaned it and cleaned it and cleaned it and wrapped it up, did all sorts of stuff just in case there was some kind of bacteria in it that my body's not used to from being in dirt in Mississippi. So other than, you know, we get a cut or something like that, just clean it. But, you know, you can get stuff like this from thorns, from all sorts. It's just the luck of the draw. So I I would suggest, you know, and this is common. It's common in dirt, so there's not much you can do about that. Uh, I would just wear gloves. You know, it's not any fun. And I, I garden Without gloves all the time. My fingers are all booger. Matter of fact, my fingernails, ooh, I must have had a good time in the garden yesterday. My fingernails are horrible looking. But try not to chew your fingernails and if you can't wear gloves. But, you know, it, yeah. it just, uh, it was it was an unlucky thing. You, you, just, you Yeah, you just happened to get some at the right time and the right cut. And that was it. And, but it's out there all the time. Okay. Sorry. All right. Thank so, you. I uh, appreciate your it. How's, how's it going? Is it going to get better? I hope so. I hope so. I've I've been three weeks with it, and I'm on antifungal medicine. And oh, so um, this is a fungus, not a bacteria. Right. right. Okay. It's well, a, there's still there's nothing we can do about fungi and bacteria. You know, they're just part of it. So, yeah. uh, I gotta ask you, what were the symptoms? What 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 made you was it just um, na- nasty? Just wouldn't well, heal or something? Well, at first I thought it was a spider bite because my fin- tip of my finger got red and and swollen and had like a hard 
not on the inside of it. Mm. And after after a week went by, I went to the doctor, and she said it was uh, cellulitis. And I told her that <laughs> on my finger, leaves and <laughs> on my finger. And she said picking up leaves and stuff. And I described what I was doing, and I did run across a like a some decaying briar um, pieces, and I did get stuck. And yeah. I remember pulling it out of my finger, and I thought, well, it's that, or it could be a spider bite. Well, <clears throat> anyway, it's been three weeks, and yeah. it hasn't gotten better as much as it's gotten worse. Yeah. So, um, but you, but you're under doctor care. You're not worried about sepsis and all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. you can get these things from you can get these from seemingly clean surfaces, or for, you know, and not get anything from really nasty stuff. It's just the luck of the draw. It's just like you know, like any other infection, but they're they're common in the environment. Most of the time, you know, we develop a resistance, you know, if not an immunity to these from from exposure. One of the reasons why I tell let kids play in the dirt, but um, you know, it's just the luck of the draw. You know, it's like it's like that brain eating amoeba. Everybody, sw- all my life, we never had that. We just you know, and then all of a sudden, find out swimming in the bio is not good for you because of the risk. Anyway, sorry. I hope it gets better. Thank you. I'm just going to be. I'm going to invest in some good gloves, and <laughs> I don't want this to happen again. There you go. Well, good luck on it, and um, and appreciate you alerting us about that too. Now, Felder, we're getting ready for um, our second break of the hour, and we got your cheesy tune um, queued up. But I don't know if you are familiar with the MPB Public Media app. Well, you, you know, you tell you you tell me about it, but I'm one of these old guys. <laughs> well, so I'll, explain I'll, it to other other people because you know. Well, it's a great it's a great thing to have on your mobile device. You download it; it's absolutely free, and you can get all like all of our podcasts. You can listen live wherever you go. If you have kids, you can even watch um, PBS Kids right from the uh, right from the app. But we also have this talk to us feature where people can leave comments, uh, questions. Because she should, could she show a picture of her nasty looking finger? She could show pictures. <laughs> she could shoot a video. Uh, you know, a lot of things. And then we get those uh, those uh, talk to us that people send. And we got a one from Mark um, in Oxford, and he has a question um, about his moon vine. So I'm going to play that right now. Hey, Felder, this is Mark in Oxford. I was wondering if my moon vine is going to die back or should I cut it back or just let it keep growing? Wow, is he on the line or has he just left that? He just left that. That's okay. the talk to us feature. You okay. leave it and then we can we can answer your questions. Okay, but but okay. Well, if he's still listening, uh, moonvine dies when it gets cold. It's an annual. Now you can save the seeds, little hard white seeds. You can save and plant the next spring, and or sometimes they'll reseed from the cells. But no, moonvine dies down in the winter, just like gourds or or uh, uh, you know any other kind of vine like that. How about that? I feel Mr. Technology here. Thank you, Java. Yeah, and, and there it is. <laughs> okay, listen, we got some callers in the library. I want to play this little short tune, but first, let me throw out the three things that are coming up, three events where I'm going to be in the next week or so. Well, one is I, I mentioned uh, that next Thursday night at 6 o'clock, and we're talking about the Noxipater Baptist Church Family Life Center. They got a really cool setup. And uh, matter of fact, uh, Jim McAdory, the county extension, one of my heroes, he's going to be there. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to be talking about uh, native plants that don't look wild and how to how to have a nice looking yard that does well in the 
the weather we've got. That's Noxipater Baptist Church between Louisville and Philadelphia next Thursday at 6 o'clock. Uh, the following Saturday, I'm going to be at the Hitchin Post Farmer's Market in Columbus live in the back of my truck Saturday, uh, what is that, the September the 23rd. I'm going to be there. And now we have answers to unasked questions from Felder Russian. Thank you, sir. This is a real easy one. Java, I'm getting a lot of calls from people saying, uh, my pear tree's blooming or wisteria's blooming. Things that bloom in the spring are blooming right now. And they want to know what the heck, what's up with that? And this is actually a fairly good, uh, fairly normal thing. When plants are under stress, they think they're about to die. First thing they want to do is try to reproduce themselves so they start flowering, making seeds. So it's stress. A lot of times we see it after hurricanes, you know, wind whips plants around and beats them up and throws them back and forth, and they think they're dying. Well, what causes this? We have the, a hormone called adrenaline. We get scared. Adrenaline makes us get up and go. And plants have a similar thing called traumatin from trauma. And when plants get injured or pruned or drouthy or heat or something like that, it releases this hormone called traumatin, which kicks them into flowering. So heat and drought, hurricane winds, anything like that, it's normal. A lot of these plants are going to bloom fine in the spring, so don't worry about that. But anyway, what makes them do like that? They've, they're, they're, uh, they're upset, they're scared, they're freaked out, and they've got a little rush of traumatin, just in case anybody asked. <laughs> That's funny that one, if the plant is under stress and thinks it, it's going to die, the one thing it needs to do is reproduce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I tell you one other little stupid thing. You, you've heard people talk about switching okra. Where you, know, you, you kind of uh, taking a stick uh, to uh -huh, it. That's uh -huh. right. What you're doing is you're beating the trauma out of it. <laughs> you're, now you're that makes sense. You're creating trauma. Which releases traumatin and makes it do better. And before we go to these calls, uh, we got a, a call off the line from John. He said, cooking okra with tomatoes greatly reduces the slime. So, you know, this is a, this is a, a foodie version today at the Gestalt Gardener. Yeah, we've turned into Deep South Dining. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but cooking okra with tomatoes reduces the slime. I don't know about that. I don't know. But, you know, we put ketchup on it when it's fried, so maybe that works. <laughs> anyway, blinky lights. Which one of these things I... Let's go up to our uh, our Tennessee cousins Sharon. and speak with Sharon. In Memphis, Tennessee. Good morning, Sharon. How are you? Hey, Felder. I'm good. How you doing? Good. Something about your compost pile? No. This, this question is about uh, some arborvitaes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, this is another another share. We got two share. The next one, Sharon and Biloxi. Okay. Anyway, sorry, Sharon. <laughs> what, what you got? Okay. Um, I had some clearas growing over there, and that last winter killed them. Yeah. I thought they were. Anyway, we dug them up. One one was so heavy, we couldn't move it, and it's come back. Yeah. But in the meantime, we planted all these arborvitaes. Yeah. And they're they were looking doing bad. Good. Oh, up about a month ago, they yeah. started turning brown as can be. Yeah. What I'm wondering is, if like the cleara, if I cut them back, will they come back? Or, and if I can, how do I do that from the top okay. down or from the side in? Okay, this is this is actually uh, it's a good question. It's actually more more complex than, than most people realize. Uh, f first of all, I lost a cleara that was 
80 years old. It was a foundation planting when my house was built in the 1940s. Died dead as a doorknob from this, this cold winter. Clear, I can normally take bad weather, but this, it got pushed. What I did, instead of digging it up, I cut it straight across and has five trunks as big around my thigh, and I put a glass tabletop on it. So, <laughs> you know, and this is this is the same guy that just spray painted his dead magnolia tree glossy black. But anyway, I just cut it down. But anyway, to an, yeah, and arborvitae and uh, uh, and conifers like that. Uh, Leyland cypress, they can take extreme heat, extreme drought, extreme cold. We see them growing in cemeteries, but this back-to-back thing is what gives them problems. And if their roots stay too wet and then too dry like we have here, then they get root damage. And when it turns hot and dry, really, really hot and dry, the roots just aren't there, and they start to brown out. And not much we can do about it. Once they're established, they're normally pretty tough. But uh, to answer your question, conifers – can't sprout back out when you prune them hard like broadleaf plants can. You know, clara, azaleas, roses, you can cut those way back and they'll sprout back out. Conifers, uh, like arborvitae and pines and junipers, they can't. When you cut them back where they don't have leaves left to older wood, th- th- it just dies. There's just nothing you can do with it. But you can try shearing it as long as you cut it into the area that's, that has leaves on it. You know, and even though the the ones that are left may be brown, that little area can sprout back out. So light shearing might help, but uh, cutting them way, way back just doesn't work with junipers and cedars and stuff like that. Okay. Well, good. Wish me luck. I hope I can recoup some of them anyway. If it doesn't work, I got a, I got one word, and this is a John Waters type of moment. Spray paint. <laughs> I know he did hairspray, but you know John Water did a movie called Hairspray. I'm gonna do one called Spray Paint. Oh, oh speaking of music, <laughs> that was the most bizarre version of uh, Flight of the Bumble- Bumblebee I've ever heard. Yeah, that was uh, uh, f- uh, Yo-Yo Ma and uh, Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin, that's right. That's and it's right. funny because Bobby McFerrin. He did all of that with his mouth. Yeah. While Yo Yo Ma was doing it with his instrument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I couldn't figure out what I was hearing. So. Yeah, Bobby well, McFerrin. He was singing. Appreciate it, Sharon. Good luck on that. Okay, now let's. We, which one are we going to? To keep with continuity, let's Sh- go to Sharon in Biloxi. Biloxi from Memphis to Biloxi. Sharon, good morning. Thank you for holding. How are you? Good morning. Howdy. Good morning. I'm- What's up? I have a compost question. I had a compost pile that was, I'd had about a year, and it was cooking along really nicely. And I hired a company to take care of my front yard grass. Mm-hmm. And when I put those clippings into the compost pile, I didn't realize I was putting weed. fertilizer yeah. and weed killer and bug killer. Yeah. Well, I'd be able to uh, live long enough to see that compost pile be usable now or that's, not? That's a really, really good question. And the, the, the answer is there's no problem. Uh, those kind of things, the fertilizer is actually good. The fertilizer he- that's in your grass clippings helps fire up the, the bacteria and the fungi that actually do the work. So that's a good thing. Uh, the herbicides, typically they bind really tightly to organic matter and decompose into carbohydrates that the modern ones do uh, and insecticides they don't last any time at all in the environment they're designed to to, to work uh, quickly uh, and then have what's called a half-life every certain amount of time they lose half their strength so once you mix it in really really good and and i'm i'm an old organic gardener I've written for organic garden magazine and i'm real sure of this 
it ain't a problem. Great. I'm so glad to hear that. I felt mm-hmm. so stupid after I realized what I had done. No, as a matter of fact, it, it, it's, it's, I'm so sure about this. I, I, you know, go. You can do it again. Just stir it all together, and it'll be fine. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, appreciate it, Sharon. Thank you for calling. And uh, by the way, I've got a. Uh, uh, no, we're not going to do this. Let's go. Let's go down. Let's go to Clinton and talk with Danny. Danny, thank you for calling. What's up? Uh, the lady that had the problem with her finger. Yeah, yeah, with the fungus, uh huh. Right. I had something similar uh, to that uh, about twenty years ago. I almost lost my hand. Wow. Don't take it lightly. Go to a specialist. It got into the synovium in my hand, and I said I almost lost my hand. But but anyway, go to a specialist. Do not take it lightly. Yeah, it it can be. It can be not bad. It can be real bad. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 a good tip. We we actually interviewed last year a woman who is uh, a a researcher who's been working with this for a long time, and I I I forget what when it was or the name of it, but you know Java. We talked to her about it, and uh, and it is a, a really good concern. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it can be a booger bear. I, yeah, from the CDC. Yeah, that's well, right. Well, I'll pull that up and um, pull that podcast up. Okay. Anyway, Danny, thank you. That's really, really good advice. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Don't take it light. All righty. Appreciate it. Okay. Whew. That's scary, you know, but you know, I work in dirt. I, I, I take it seriously. I cut myself... Uh, in some 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 potting soil, that had compost. I was repotting some stuff, and I had some shards of old clay pots in there. And I stuck my hand in there and sliced it. I said, "You know what? My hand's not used to English compost. Ain't no telling what's in this dirt." But it probably anyway. So I I mean I really really cleaned it good more than I normally would have. But um, anyway, don't be scared. Just be careful. And if something happens. Check it out. Check it out. All righty, folks. Horticulture's fell to rushing. And uh, Java, I've got a special opportunity this coming Monday here at MPB. Yes, sir. Marshall Ramsey is going to interview on, me on his program. I forget forget the name oh, of his go, program. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. o'clock, Monday morning. That's right. And he's going to, you know, he... We've known each other a long time, but he don't he don't know me. Okay. And is there anything I can say to him that kind of mess with him? I don't know. Because you know he he's got opinions. He's a you know a political cartoonist. He satirist. does. He does have a lot of things to say. I, I'm not sure. We may have to talk after the show. Yeah, if there's something something I can do to mess with Marshall Ramsey, it would be my pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. So I look forward to seeing folks, uh, seeing folks on the Marshall Ramsey program at ten o'clock. Yeah. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey, uh, ten a.m. immediately following Deep South Dining, which oh. comes on at nine a.m. Okay. Well, folks. I'm going to mess with him, so tune in. Let's have some fun. <laughs> now, let's go down to uh, over Sandy Hook and talk with Debbie. Debbie, you've been holding on a long time. I appreciate it. What's up? Not a problem. Thank you. I have found a small crepe myrtle, probably about eight inches tall, and I want to bring it to my yard. Uh-huh. When is a good time to do it, and what do I do? Well, you can you can plant a container-grown plant anytime you can dig a wide hole, but if you're going to dig something, that means separating it from its little feeder roots, and it's better to do that when it's not under 
heat and dry stress. Best to wait until after we get us a frost, the leaves have had a little color. In other words, after it's gone dormant. So you might want to go in and dig the hole first. And even though it's a little plant, I would still dig a wide hole, two, three feet across. It sounds stupid, but the quicker that little plant can grow side roots, the quicker it's going to get established and grow. So uh, over the next uh, month or so, I'd, I'd go ahead and dig the hole, add a little stuff to it, cover it with leaves, maybe plant just some, some flowers there. And then as soon as we get us a frost or freeze, you can dig the new plant up, stick it right in the middle of the flower, take care of them, and that'll take care of the great myrtle. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd wait. I'd wait till till late fall or winter, though. Okay. Let me tell you this too. Uh, an, an old Cajun gave me this remedy for desliming okra, uh-huh. and that is use a cast iron skillet and a little bit of grease, and you just kick up the heat and. Fr- it, 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 it defines it. Fry it. That's right. We're not gonna. We, we, if it, if it can flow, we're gonna fry it up. <laughs> That's a good tip. That's a really good tip. Thank you so much, and uh, good luck on the crepe myrtle. Thank you so much. Bye bye. All righty, uh, let's let's go to to Jim before we go to Rebecca. That's okay. No, Can we, we uh, not too late. Yeah, we got to go to Rebecca. Okay, no, we don't got to. We want to go to Rebecca. I'm sorry, Rebecca. Thanks I didn't mean God. to say it like that. Calling from Fulton. What's up, Rebecca? Hey. Um. Good morning. Uh, no, I was just calling to say, you know, the lady was, that was talking about uh, muscadines, y'all were talking about muscadines uh-huh. and pepernongs and all that kind of stuff right. earlier, and it's like, I um, I love buying the, you know, it's a choice of whether or not you want to make jelly or buy a jelly. Yeah. And, yeah, and Mississippi State has those jelly packs, and I, and I, I'd like to ask, what is a may, what is mayhaw, because I've had the... I've had the jelly before, but yeah. I, I don't. Is it a tree or what? Yeah, mayhaw is a type of hawthorn, which is related to apples and pears. And mayhaws are native, mostly to South Mississippi, and they grow in, in low wet areas. They call them haw ponds. You know, they they stay kind of wet uh, in the winter and they dry out in the summer. But a mayhaw, the fruit itself looks like a crab apple. It's got the the tree's got pretty white flowers, and the fruits look like crab. And they're related, but they're a native crab apple type of fruit. Mayhaw. Okay. Well, yeah, it's it's time to buy that. It's time time to get some cheese before before you know before Christmas. So, yeah, and I tell you, what, if you want to try making some jelly, there's two kinds of jelly that people make, and nobody thinks about it. Uh, but 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 I see it all the time, and a lot of country folks know what I'm talking about. You can make jelly out of the flower, fragrant flowers of kudzu. Kudzu's blooming right now. And it's got nice, they're, they're like upright clusters of uh, wisteria. They smell like cheap, great bubble gum. It makes fantastic jelly. But we also have another native plant that's, that's got fruit right now. It's little golf ball-sized clusters of kind of magenta, purplish-looking berries called American Beauty Berry. It's, it just doesn't taste like it got no sugar. It just tastes mealy. But it makes the prettiest jelly you've ever seen. And the, the berries are ripe right now. Thank you. All right. Appreciate your call, Rebecca. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Jim and Jackson. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for calling. What's up? Morning, Felber. Jim Rosenblatt here. Dean Rosenblatt. Um, I, w- I saw you con- yesterday. Congratulations, congratulations on your son being promoted to major. But I wondered, uh, I understand you have military service. 
Did you do any gardening when you were in the military? <laughs> Nothing I can talk about, Dean. This is back during the days of Vietnam, <laughs> a long time ago. No, actually, I take it back. I was in the Navy band, and we worked whenever there was stuff to do, and we practiced. But I worked part-time in both San Diego and in Corpus Christi at garden centers. When I when I was when I was off you know off work with the Navy band, I worked in garden centers. How about that? That's good. Uh, any lessons that you brought back to Mississippi from there? Well, you know, bo- both places are are, are are real dry. I brought plants back from Corpus Christi, uh, some Sansevier, the old mother-in-law tongue type plants, and uh, I learned how to propagate honeysuckle. You know, uh, you know, plants that are really really tough because that's a harsh climate down there. So I got to start early on gr- learning how to grow plants that are growing a harsh climate, and that's all coming back to me now that we've got a harsh climate. Well, I know that you we survived the drought, perhaps, but so far. Were there any plant? Were there any plants that did well when you were away for that period? Yeah, I was, uh, I was gone for three months, and uh, I mean, no, nobody watered my garden at all. But uh, you know, a lot of my plants did did quite well. I have agaves and succulents. Uh, my okra did fine. My sweet, I got three different kinds of sweet potatoes. Matter of fact, I've got them here with burgundy leaf, lime green leaf, and sort of a rusty leaf. My sweet potatoes did fine. The okra did fine, and I grow those as flowers. You know, not as vegetables. Uh, my African blue basil did well, but uh, for the most part, it was just some surprises. You know that that didn't make it, and we're not done yet, Dean. Not done yet. We're gonna have I to think, wait and see. I think the I think the okra flower is one of the most beautiful flowers there is. It's a hibiscus. So anyway, appreciate and 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 I want to thank you for your service. You know, you retired, uh, uh, full bird colonel, right, and. Dean Emeritus of the Law School, and you took time out of your schedule to come out and tap my son into being a major with the Army. I appreciate that a whole You know, you took time out of your time to come out and do that, and I appreciate it. Well, he's a fine officer and a fine young man, and I know you're proud. And I happen to know that you're a dean of a law school, Emeritus, and in the corner of the parking lot, you grow okra. <laughs> come on, Jim. <laughs> you, you are so country. To be such a smart, intelligent World travel just got from Alaska, and you grow okra in a parking lot. That is country. <laughs> well, it's the way I can keep my green thumb. There you go. Appreciate you, Kyle Dean. Stay, stay uh, cool and hydrated. Thanks, Felder. All right. <laughs> that was a surprise. No, my son. He's a he's a he's a, he started out as a marine, enlisted, made up to staff sergeant. Well, congratulations. Yeah, to and, you, and then to he went over to he became a lawyer, and I went with the Army JAG Corps. And he was tapped out to be a major. I got to be nice. And what's really funny, he's major rushing now. Yes. His dog was named Major. So he and the dog are the same right now. And I told him yesterday, he looks sharp, you know, his crisp, you know, military officer uniform. I said, it looks good, but it ain't a Marine uniform. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on, Java, a lot of stuff. I brought, didn't have a chance to talk about my three different leaves of, of uh, sweet potatoes. We learned about uh, how to eat okra that won't be so slimy. Uh, and I had a couple of things I wanted to share, but they can wait till next week. Meanwhile, I'm going to be in Noxapater. I think this is the smallest town I've ever lectured in. But it's a cool little town right between Louisville and Philadelphia. Next Thursday night at 6 o'clock, plant swap. I'm going to show some pictures. We're going to whoop it up. going to be in my truck. 
And then the following Saturday, a week from tomorrow, on the 23rd, me and my truck are going to be at the Hitchin Post Farmer Market, downtown Columbus, Mississippi. And it's a free event. We're going to have a lot of fun. Bring stuff to talk about. Uh, in two weeks, I'm going to be at the Max in Meridian. We'll talk about that next week. But me and Java and uh, all the folks at the MPB, Will Pickering, our, our new intern, we're going to take a little week-long break, come back and talk about gardening next week. Hope to tune in to some of y'all. Tune in uh, Monday when I'm being interviewed uh, by Marshall Ramsey. But mostly, if you have a chance, go to a farmer's market. they got a lot of stuff going on. They struggled this year. they got stuff that they did themselves. They made it or they grew it themselves. Uh, take a kid with you. Teach them how to do what we do best, folks, which is get dirty. See you all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.